Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. What an incredible, incredible, spontaneous applause, unprompted. What a fantastic thing. Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. Thank you so much for being here. Give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you. Yes, um, and I would like to thank you for coming to this episode. I usually have notes that I'm looking at when I do my show, so I'm gonna have to figure out. I've been doing this show for three years now. You think I'd remember at this point. Uh, I'd like to thank you all uh, for tuning in. Uh, I'd like to thank you for tuning in, and I'd like to thank the rest of you for being here live in person for my first live studio audience episode of My Fellow Americans here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes. I'm going to be so glad when we have successfully completed this and I can say I, I, I finally did it. So uh, thank you guys so much. This is, of course, a Muddy Waters Media production. If you have not already, be sure to go on to Muddy Waters Media and share this right now. Be sure to like us and subscribe to us and do all those things. This is actually one big way to try to get more people to like our channel. But uh, be sure to do that. And of course, if you're doing it on YouTube, be sure to hit the bell next to the subscribe button. I want your phone to literally explode with notifications every time we go live. And of course, be sure to share this right now. The last thing that I want is for you or you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour-long libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. What a terrible thing that would be. Be sure to give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the second largest and fastest growing caucus in the Libertarian Party. You can become a member today by going to the Facebook group Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, uh, and you can become an official voting member, which means absolutely nothing because no, thank you. Because it means nothing. We don't vote. Uh, but you can do that if you're here by buying a swag bag or at home. You can go to moneywatersmedia.com and go to our store and we sell all sorts of uh, Waffle House Caucus swag. Again, it means nothing, but you do have the Waffle House Caucus and the Gravy King. Joe Solosky. Joe Solosky is running for uh, governor of Pennsylvania. Joe Solosky believes that he is the key to Pennsylvania success, or liberty is the key to Pennsylvania success, and if you'd like to help him become the first libertarian governor, I have sponsors, by the way, that's why we're doing this, uh, the first libertarian governor ever, uh, go to J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com, that's JoeSolosky.com. Mudwater, if you woke up today and said, Spike, why are you in my room right now? But while you're here, I'd like to tell you that I'm sick and tired of drinking coffee. I'd instead like to drink, I don't actually know what's in this, masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and literally nothing else. But folks, I have some great news. If you go to muddywatersmedia.com slash mud, you can purchase mud water, which is the greatest coffee supplement. I don't know if there are other coffee replacements, but this one is a coffee replacement. Uh, it's called mud water. It tastes like whatever you would think those ingredients taste like. You're going to want to add honey, definitely. It's, it does not taste good. Uh, but go to the next one. Jack Casey. Jack Casey is an incredible libertarian author who has written not one, not two, not four, but in fact three books. Uh, Crowned by Gold, The Royal Green, and In Silver Throne. What are these books about? I have absolutely no idea. I refuse to read them, and here's why. If these books are bad, I'm going to feel bad for making fun of him every week, and if they're good, I'm going to feel bad. No, if they're bad, I'm going to feel bad for trying to get you to buy them, and if they're good, I'm going to feel bad for making fun of them. And then finally we have, that's not finally, we have, then we have, 
Thank you. Thank you. We have one more above that. Thank you. Thomas Queter. Thomas Queter is running for state senate. He, Thomas Queter says, I run better than Albany, which this would be way funnier if you were, if you were looking at a picture of him. Um, he hires me to say that it's funny because he's in a wheelchair. And I don't, I feel, I hate saying that, but he has paid as a sponsor to get me to say that. And then we have one more. Uh, DefyThePower.com and StitchesAndGlitches.com sell the finest tumblers out there. They're really great libertarians. They have a great product. And they have free customization, which is insane that they customize it for no extra charge. And those are our sponsors. Oh, I actually do have one more sponsor. If you are so sick of me talking about sponsors that you want to sue me, uh, well, then I have some very bad news for you because I have a better attorney than you. His name is personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, and you can hire him if you want to sue anyone else but me by going to chrisreynoldslaw.com. Also, you have to be in Florida because he's only in Florida. I would like to thank, that's it, those are the only sponsors. I would like to thank Tobacco Road for hosting us here tonight. And finally, I would like to thank Mr. Joe Davi. He does the intro and outro music to every episode of My Fellow Americans. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check out his music on Facebook. Check him out on SoundCloud. Go to his Bandcamp, joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy his entire discography. It's like $25. He just dropped a new album. It's like three years worth of work. It's some of the best music you'll ever hear. Thank you so much, Joe Davi. Shout out to Taron Turks, his mom and him as always. Folks. I am now live. This is usually when I would introduce my remote guest, but I actually have the guest here right now, and we're going to bring them up right now. They are the chair and vice chair of the Wake County Libertarian Party. And just to give a little perspective for those who aren't in Wake County right now, I am here at the Wake County Libertarian Party meeting, which has probably, I this is like your regular crowd? We, get, we, get, we have 10,000 people here. You can hear them right now. Yeah. It's closer to 100, but that's actually still very impressive. Um, and we are here at the Wake County Libertarian Party wrapping up the final event of after a year of going around the country on my, we never actually named this tour, but we're going to call it the I Spike America Tour. Now, I just came up with that. Uh, sure, we're going to blog that. So this is the final event of that tour, uh, and then I get to go home for an entire month. Um, and, uh, and so we are ending it right here in North Carolina. And uh, so without further ado, we are going to have here uh, the chair and vice chair of the party, Travis and Patrick. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank having you. us. Yes, I'm happy to. And, and Patrick, I'm sorry, what's your last name? Bowersocks. Patrick Bowersocks and Travis Grew. Uh, tell us a little about yourselves. Well, my name is Travis Grew, and yes. I'm a much more entertaining speaker than Spike is. Yes, we're about to we find that out. clarified that earlier. Yep. Uh, no, but really, um, <laughs> I was elected as chair of the party back in April at our convention and had some really big shoes to fill. Um, from our previous chair, uh, David Ulmer, who did a fantastic job. Um, he set everything in motion. I mean, we have some really nice systems in place now that 
it was really actually an easy transition because it was already kind of set up and now it's just maintaining it. It's kind of steering the ship of something that was already really big and already good and already working and now we're just rolling with it and doing events like this. So That's awesome. Um, and Patrick, would you like to speak? Oh, yeah. Um, I got involved around uh, 2015, 2016. Uh, Came to uh, meet up uh, was a was kind of uh, I grew up grew up up north I was kind of a Republican up north and I came down here and it was kind of more of a Democrat but and I just found out that hey I'm a Libertarian I'm not I'm neither That's there's awesome. a reason why I disagree with both so That's much a, who here's journey is very similar to that like you're around Republicans and you're like I'm definitely not this and then you get around Democrats and you're like I'm definitely not this. <laughs> Mine was a little different. I was around Democrats and I was like, I'm definitely not this. And then I was around Republicans and I was like, I agree with most of this, but none of the people we're voting for are actually doing any of this. So then I made my way here. And um, well, thank you, thank you. So tell us a little about what uh, Wake County Libertarian Party's goals are for this next year. We, uh, we just had an incredible election where the American people have shown they're sick of everyone. Uh, they're certainly sick of the status quo, a yeah. uh, record number of people that voted Libertarian and many more that just voted for whoever wasn't in charge at the time. What is the uh, Wake County Libertarian Party looking to do to be able to, uh, to, be able to, to take advantage of that, of that unprecedented desire for, another, for an alternative? Well, we, we want to we be on the ballot, obviously. We're, we're on the ballot. We want to challenge as many races as possible, have, have candidates tackle meaningful issues like school choice, Freedom. We want to. We want to talk about criminal justice reform. We want to tackle those issues and offer people another choice, because there, there, there are more and more people who are sick of the same old message from Republicans and message from Democrats that, okay, you talk good on criminal justice reform, you talk good, on, you talk good on freedom, but yeah, we, we believe in freedom for everybody, yep, not exactly. freedom just for what, my cup of tea. That's right. Freedom for all. That's right. That's Bravo, right. Travis. Yeah. That's exactly right, Patrick. And Libertarian Party of Wake County has a system set up, again, due to the work of Brad Hessel and Brian Irving and Dave Almer and Ken Pinkowski, people like this. We have a really streamlined way of recruiting. We actually help our candidates find treasurers, which is one of the most difficult things to find as a treasurer that stays on top of the money, that keeps things legal with the Board of Elections. Yep. It's very difficult. So we have a training process where we train treasurers. We, we actually, sometimes we pay their filing fee. We set up headshots so they can have a professional photo, so they can send to the Board of Elections and use it for online presentation. We set up their website. We do their graphic design, so we're actually doing the graphic design for their yard signs, their door hangers, their rack cards, all of these things. We have a streamlined way of doing things, so it's, it makes it very easy for candidates to run in Wake County. We make it easier than the state. We're recruiting all the time and we're finding the best candidates possible for that district, senate or house and we run a lot of general assembly candidates 
And I'm really thankful for the systems that are in place because it's easy to run as a candidate in Wake County because of what is set up. Yep. And people like Brad Hessel has come in and really streamlined this effort. And I'm just so thankful for it because running candidates is what Wake County does. And we appreciate the systems that are in place right now. Absolutely. I can tell you firsthand, Brad and David and others are the reason that we're doing this in the first place. The reason yes, sir. That we were able to put this together. Uh, the reason that we were able to live stream it simultaneously and have all the AV and everything set up. So huge round of applause to them because they're fantastic. They deserve applause from every single one of the 10,000 people who are here right now. 10, now, we have 10,000 people here, and so what would you say? People are here right now, and they're saying, why, what, what is it that I can do to help? I can hear you. I can hear your thoughts. What is it that I can do to help the Wake County LP? What do you need folks to do to be able to help get involved? They're already here. They've made the first step. What's, and the people at home, you've also, you've made a slightly smaller step of being at home, but you are here live. So what can people do to help the Wake County LP? All the Besides, yes, share dank memes always. That's, if you're here or watching the show, you probably, thank you, sir, you probably already know that the meme game has to just continue to rise. We are already at the top. We need to find new pinnacles every day. But besides that, what can they do? Um, we're, we're really big on, we want our image to be really good in the community. Yes. We are big, we are big on um, community, uh, helping out in the community. We just donate. We just raised over $325 for American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Because we know that's a, tough, that's a tough issue going on right now. And we just packed 72 bags for Thanksgiving for the Alliance of AIDS Services to make sure that there are folks who are less fortunate right now get a Thanksgiving meal. That's awesome. So that's awesome. A, a lot of it is about image. We want, we want to we wanna perceive a good image. Because people perceive this image that you're libertarians. You don't want the government to help. You don't care. Yep. Which is completely false. Because well, we, we don't want the government to help, but we do care. Yes. But we do care. We do care. We care. And I think, I think in the heart of it, people are good. People do want to help. And we want to show that and prove that by our actions. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I said this earlier. The more we volunteer, the less we need government, right? Everybody cheer. Yay. So volunteerism is a very important thing to libertarianism. And we set up volunteer events usually about once a month or every six weeks. We go out in the community, we go to food banks, we pack food, we go to community gardens, we collect food around the holidays like Christmas and, and Thanksgiving for the needy. These are things that we need to do to be activists. You want to be an activist, this is how you do it. You go to events, you help people. That's what libertarianism is. It is helping people, not relying on the government to do it for you. So the more we volunteer as a community, as an affiliate, as a group of people, the less you need to rely on someone else to do it. We can, why rely on something else that you can do yourself? It doesn't make any sense at all. So helping neighbors, neighbors helping neighbors, is libertarianism, and it's what we value here at the Libertarian Party of Wake County. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. So uh, be sure, everyone that is here, if you are, who here is not yet a member of Wake County LP? 
Wow. That's really good, actually. <laughs> that's awesome. You have, that's a huge local affiliate. Yeah. So for those like six of you who raised your hands, uh, if you go to wakelp.org, you can become a member today. And the rest of you, great job. This is, wow. <laughs> Holy crap. Thank you, guys. Yeah. That's the most active. Tasha has been with me. We've been at quite a few uh, uh, local affiliates. And mm, yeah, no, definitely. These are much higher numbers than a lot of other local affiliates that have enough people to legally be a local affiliate, yeah. Uh, so that's fantastic. Um, so guys, thank you guys. And I, I wanted to thank you firsthand, not just for how hospitable you've been to me and to Tasha, not just for everything that you guys have put together, but more important than any of that, the work that you, the work that apparently 98% of you are doing here in Wake County to work to set this county and this state and this country free. I thank you so much. Thank you, man. That's exactly right. And listen, you're right, Spike. We can't do this without all of you. Yep. This is not all the executive committee show. This is not the Libertarian Party of Wake County show. This is because of you guys showing up on a Wednesday night yep. when you could be watching your favorite show, but instead you show. You are watching your, first of all. Yeah, this, oh yeah, oh, I forgot. This yeah. is your favorite show. It's true. Let me rephrase that. To be live on your favorite show, you guys showed up. So again, thank you, Spike, thank you. for showing up. We have some special gifts for you later, so. Okay. Um, I'm scared. <laughs> it's good, yeah. Thank you so much for showing up and for watching and for coming, Spike. We appreciate Thank it, you. man. I appreciate you, Thank man. You so Thank much. you, Patrick. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys. Travis Ruin, Patrick Bowers. Bower Sox? Yeah. Did it. Bower Sox. Thank you guys so much. By the way, this is a big deal to me, too, folks, because my wife never watches my show. And she's not only watching it right now, but she's a part of it. So give her a round of applause. Tasha Cohen. You, you probably, you may not have heard of her. You may not have heard of Tasha. Yes, the, see now it changed to ta the, what, the, I, what happened to you the best spike? That was way more appropriate. Um, yeah, my wife is a, a fantastic person and I never get to brag on her much on my show because she doesn't watch it or come on it so it wouldn't matter anyway. But since you are here, I want to thank you. You have been with me almost every day of this tour, most of them. There have been a few that you took off because you're a normal person that wants to be at home for brief periods of time. And you are incredible. You are not too bad looking. You're, you're fairly attractive. You're a fairly attractive woman. And you are kind and gracious and every other adjective I can think of. And we recently, folks, celebrated our 14-year anniversary of when we first met online. This, of course, this was a round of applause congratulating my wife on meeting me. Twice. No, well, no, she, no, she said yes twice, but yes. Uh, we met on a Christian dating website. What was a Jew doing on a Christian dating website? I was looking, I would, what everyone else does. I was looking for a nice Christian girl. Um, so, but thank you again. I love you very much. And thank you for being a part of this. I really appreciate it. Folks. Um, we are now going to do Q&A because I can get up here and talk for an, an impressively long amount of time, which frankly is eating into my time, uh, which is increasingly the biggest part of my schedule of bullying uh, federal agencies on social media. Um, but, and police departments and media outlets, but mostly federal agencies and, 
and Joe Biden. Um, but uh, I think it's way more important to hear what you have to say and what your questions are and, and to give you an answer to that. I think that matters a lot more than whatever pretty speech I come up with, as pretty as they are. So uh, I will be happy to answer any questions here. Um, it is, what time is it now? It is 8.24, so we'll go about an hour, give or take, and then we'll wrap up and uh, that way Everyone can hang out and get pictures and autographs and buy swag bags. Oh, I just realized I didn't tell you the third part. So you said you wanted to help the party and you wanted to, uh, you wanted to bring home swag to your family, but there's a, a third part of that, showing all the other state and local affiliates that they suck compared to you. Well, here's how, right? Yes. So here's how we can do that. I have a not-so-friendly competition going. Uh, for which state or, I guess, local affiliate buys the most swag bags. Now, North Carolina previously held the record with 65, but then Michigan beat them. Yeah, Michigan. Of all the state affiliates, Michigan has the record right now with 69 of them. They bought 69 of them. That's probably why they still have the record. Um, but you can truly beat their record by buying 420 of them, of course. Um, but seriously, if everyone in here bought one, we'd easily beat that record. So uh, be sure to buy swag bags because all of the, again, all of the proceeds go here to uh, Wake County Libertarian Party. So let's, let's, let's help the local party here. Um, but with that, I will take any questions. And I guess, what are we going to do? Just have people raise their hands and you'll walk over? Okay. So uh, raise your hands nice and high. And this lovely gentleman here will get to you. Uh, and, uh, and we'll uh, just go one to one. Hey man, and say what your name is too when you when you ask. Hi Spike, my name's Guy Mayer. Uh, Mayer is French for better. Yeah. Uh, so I'm better tree care, but I've also been a libertarian since '76 and a candidate. And I don't know if you've heard, but we have a, um, a, a blue dinosaur retiring. Uh, David Price is no longer going to be representing us in the U.S. House of Representatives. Okay. Good. No, that's good. For, for, for good or bad, so uh, I'm, I'm wondering what you might uh, advise a, an impending uh, uh, prospective candidate to fill that House District 2 uh, seat uh, uh, up coming up in, in the next election cycle. What do you think is important for someone to, um, to feature when they're, when they're running for U.S. House of Representatives? Absolutely, guys. So um, I will tell you, a U.S. House of Representatives race is similar to a local race. Um, it's, a, it's usually a much bigger district, or, or sometimes not that much bigger district, than someone running for, like, city council or something else. But it's, you're running in your area. Uh, unless you're gerrymandered, and then you're running in, like, 15 different areas that are connected by a, a two-inch long line or whatever. But for the most part, you're running locally, and you're running on the issues that people care about there. So I think the first thing you need to do before you even run is you need to figure out what are the people most concerned about in your area, whatever that area is. And honestly, you can apply this for running for anything, but we're, we're doing it for house. What are the people in your district, what, is, what are their major concerns? Because you're not running on what you care about. You're running on what they care about. You're running on why they, because their first question when they're considering you 
uh, whether you're in front of them or they're looking at an ad, they're first, the only thing they're thinking of is, why should I vote for this person over the incumbent or over whoever else is running? And in order to be able to answer that, you have to have good answers for the questions that they have, for the concerns that they have. So number one, identify those top two or three things. We already have the answers. That's the beautiful thing about le being libertarian is we already have the answers for everything. There's nothing we don't have an answer for. That's why, that's, it's also the annoying part of us, but it's what, it's what makes us good for running for office. But we need to identify what they care about and have good messaging for all of those things. Be, have a good, clear way to address their questions with your answers. Uh, and then from there, it's the basic stuff, man. It's, it's uh, get out in your community. Uh, and, and don't wait to do that when you decide you want to run for office. Be doing that already. Be involved in your community. Be involved in, uh, in charitable efforts. Be involved in different uh, community uh, groups. Be involved in activism with other groups, uh, not just with the LP, but with other groups that might have common cause with you, groups that are against lockdowns or mandates, groups that are in favor of criminal justice reform or ending the war on drugs, uh, groups that are in favor right now, big groups right now that are fighting these uh, mask mandates and schools, soccer moms that have never been politically active a day in their lives and now they're all over the place. We want to weaponize the soccer moms, okay? So be sure to get out there and be a part of that. Um, these are the types of things that you do when you show Second Amendment groups. There are all sorts of different groups you can get together with um, and show that you're an active and vocal member of your community and have the best answers for them. And that's really the best way to do it, man. That's, that's, those are the main things I would say. There are... You can applaud that, sure. Um, there are experts that will be able to tell you better things about advertising, better things about social media, better things about branding and all of that. I'm a, uh, I'm a how to talk to people and message and how to get in front of people guy, and my things are get involved in your community, have good answers for their questions, and that's, that's pretty much the best thing I would tell you there. Um, do we have uh, any other? Question over here on the right. Uh, sure. Spike, over, over here. Oh, hi. Hey, Spike. All the way to the right. Hi. Isaac Freeman. Uh, first, I want to congratulate you on becoming a living meme. Um, and my question for you is, uh, which Facebook profile are you most proud of trolling? Oh, wow. ATF. ATF, yeah. No, ATF. Yeah. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you. So, it is the ATF, and not just because I've had my biggest dunks on them, but it was there that I first discovered just how powerful bullying federal agents on social media could be. Because I was just, it was like two in the morning, and they posted some nonsense, and someone tagged me in it, and I wrote, you know, wrote the thing, we're gonna abolish you, and you know, you better run, or whatever. Whatever I wrote, and it was thousands of people that responded to it. And what was crazy about it is, most of them weren't already libertarians, and the way I know that is, I had, let's say I had 6,000 responses to that, I had about 5,000 new followers after that too. And again, I know it had to have come from that because again, it was two in the morning. So it wasn't anything else I had just put out that had caused that. And I realized that this was an incredibly powerful tool. There are so many people that are looking at this nonsense that federal agents, the social media teams of federal agents are putting out and I, they clearly aren't even looking at their responses because they're just getting completely wrecked in the comments. I, I, the, I've never seen more profound ratios happen than uh, from uh, federal and, and state and, and police agencies across the country that put out their stuff and, and don't even realize what the response is. But that's good. It shows how tin-eared and out of touch they are when we show up 
and dunk on them, and everyone's like, yeah, I agree with that person, whoever that is. And that works, and it's been working incredibly, and I've, I'm now doing it not just on Facebook, but I'm doing it on <laughs> Instagram and Twitter, too, and getting similar results, so. So thank you for that question. Uh, who's next? We have. Hi. Hello. I hate these things. Um, so Wake County schools aren't serving in the cafeterias right now, right? Yes. So you have thousands of kids not being fed. How, as a libertarian, do we address that reliance on social welfare, especially in the near term? Because it's hard to get so many people to want to vote this side yep. when we don't want to give free things? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the best way to talk about, first of all, and I, this is my personal opinion on this. My top priority, if you consider, well, let me, let me start with, with the, the first time that I actually heard messaging that was libertarian that connected with my concern about libertarianism and social welfare, because coming out of being a Republican, I thought that there probably still, the government had to be somewhat involved, right? Because there are people that still have need, even if you, even if you, you know, uh, uh, cut taxes and everything else, there's some people that it doesn't matter what their taxes are, they're not making anything, so someone has to, you know, the government has to provide something, right? And then um, Harry Brown, uh, who I, I came across, he actually was the presidential candidate in 1996 and in 2000. Joe Jorgensen, when she ran for vice president in 96, her running mate was Harry Brown. And Harry Brown said, government is good at one thing. They go up to someone, they break their legs, they steal their wallet, they use some of the money to buy them some crutches, they keep the rest for themselves, and they say, hey, look, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have these crutches. Now, here's the problem. Those people need, oh no, you can applaud that, because Harry Brown, if there's anyone that deserves applause, it's Harry Brown. Rest in peace. Um, but the problem with that is that those folks still need those crutches, at least for then. So imagine if we show them and go, oh, you poor thing, look what's happened here, I can fix this, and we take their crutches and walk away. That didn't fix it, right? My thing is this, I can tell you that my top priority is not taking away the safety net. My top priority is putting the ladders back in so that people can climb out of the safety net and so that for those who can't climb out of the safety net themselves, there are many more people that can help them out of it so that we don't need that net anymore. So my, if I'm talking to someone and they go, well, what about uh, you know, the, the free meals in schools? I don't say, well, I have great news. My top priority is ending free meals in schools. What I do is I talk about what led to people needing that in the first place. And there's, again, this where it comes to libertarians having the best answers, we can talk about all of the impediments and burdens and regulations and taxes and fees and mandates and zoning and, and licensing and everything else that makes it so that an increasing number of people are stuck in poverty for good. We can talk about, especially right now, where inflation is not some abstract concept, people are going to the store a week later and seeing things being dis, uh, noticeably more every time they go to the store, we can talk about how inflation is an act of theft, that by printing out all this money to give to us and sticking us with uh, the debt for it and the bill for it, that it also drives up the cost of everything because they're devaluing our currency. And then also sticking us with a loan that we and our future generations have to pay off for the next 40 years with interest. We can have these conversations, but the first thing we have to do, and this is on anything, the first thing we have to do is make a human connection with them and demonstrate we actually care about them. So if someone's talking about the fact that they don't know if their kid's going to eat today if they don't get a free meal at school, 
We can empathize with them. They're not monsters. That's not the bad guy there. The bad guy is the person who put them in that position so they can enrich themselves and the billionaire cronies that put them in the other party in office. Those are the bad guys. The person who in this moment is relying on food and housing and health care is not the bad guy. So we can empathize with them. And then when we empathize with them, we can explain why it's this bad in the first place. And then we can explain our answers to fix it. So specifically with something like that, if someone says to me, oh, well, I heard libertarians want to get, away, uh, get, get rid of uh, you know, free meals in school. I can say, no, libertarians want to make it where you can afford your own food and you can afford to help other people get food and no one wants for anything. And that's how I deal with it. Because I, I am unapologetic about our messaging because our way fixes everything. We don't have to hide behind the fact that we want to end this gravy train scam of a system. This is good that we want to do that. And you know, talking to someone that's in poverty is the first thing that you do is you can say, you know, we're not trying to, or at least I can tell you, I'm not trying to, my first priority is not taking away your ability to eat right now. My priority is making it so eventually you don't need that and then no one else is gonna need it as well and that's what I focus on. So what's, uh, next question here? Be before our next question, sure. I was wondering if I could call someone out. Um, Christina Aragas, is that you? She gave a donation rate of over $100. Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you a lot. Quality stuff. <laughs> you don't have to. Right, we've, got, we've got a question over here. Thank you. Hey, good to see you out, Spike. Um, What's your name? I'm Zach. Zach, good to meet you, man. Good evening. Uh, so my question is, what is your opinion on the use of executive orders and executive actions to roll back government advancement of authority and control over different aspects of life. Well, I think, so it depends, Zach, on, on which exactly you mean. So the first thing, I, I, I'm kind of flashing back to last year, uh, and not the bad parts, it's not like a Vietnam flashback, it's like the good part, uh, but I'm flashing back to when people would say, okay, let's say Libertarian actually got elected to the White House, what are they going to do in there? Well, the, the first thing, if this could even theoretically happen, that we could just sneak someone into the White House somehow, um, if that were to happen, the first thing we need to do is start unrolling all of those previous executive actions. I mean, you, you look at just the sheer amount of garbage that has happened since largely it started uh, with Woodrow Wilson and has moved forward since there. There was some stuff before then, but most of it was temporary and had an actual sunset date. That kind of ended with Wilson and has just gotten worse and worse and worse over time. So right off the bat, we would be taking executive actions that would basically just be saying, I hereby nullify this and this and this or repeal this and this and this. So there'd be a lot of executive action in just undoing all the bad previous executive actions and orders. Um, outside of that, I think there are probably uh, some places where you could look at something that government is currently doing, like a federal agency is doing, because they created their own regulations, because Congress abdicated all of their authority that, to them so that they could do that. And so, you can clap for that. No, that's a big problem, is the, the federal, uh, you know, when they talk about the deep state, what they're really talking about is the administrative state. The fact that the, the Congress decided that they'd rather just pass an omnibus bill about once a year and just leave it to the agencies to handle everything with no accountability. So another executive action could be clarifying things. Like, for example, saying, yes, I'm, I was looking at these uh, ATF 
uh, regulations here, since we're talking about the ATF. Uh, I was looking at these ATF regulations here, and I see all these different things on uh, uh, capacity and length and, and uh, the means of which they're being shipped and all these other things. And, but then I'm looking at the Second Amendment, uh, and it turns out that the right of the people to keep and bear arms, it says right here, shall not be infringed. Uh, so, again, I know how to do applause lines. And it says that it shall not be infringed, so I'm putting up an executive order nullifying all of the at previous uh, regulations and orders of the ATF and ordering the ATF to uh, do its enforcement according to the exact wording of the Second Amendment. Um, so that would be an example of an executive order that would uh, greatly set people free. Uh, and there would probably have to be a lot of that. Now, with that being said, and I don't think this was originally part of your question, um, but it, it has to be talked about whenever we talk about the uh, hypothetical libertarian president. I think for a long time we've been waiting, and it's interesting because it's the opposite of what we believe. We believe that libertarianism, we belie believe that ideas and organizations and structures and, and, and growth happens best locally and decentralized through voluntary action and then grows organically as it meets the needs of the market. And then, politically, we believe that we're gonna find someone who's gonna sneak their way on the debate stage and trick everyone into being a libertarian and get elected to the White House and give us all trickle-down liberty from the White House. Now, putting aside the fact that we've been trying that for 50 years and it doesn't work, it's also not what we believe. Why would anyone vote for us in the White House if they don't know who the hell we are? Why would anyone give us that kind of power if they have no idea what it would look like in their backyard? That's why I'm here right now, because this is where it happens. It happens at the local grassroots level. People running for things like auditor. We elected like 40 auditors in Pennsylvania, and I had a bunch of people messaging me and saying, what the hell's an auditor? What, what is that gonna, like, you mean like audit the financial? What does that do? Here's what an auditor does. They look at the books, and then they let the people know what all those politicians in that city or that county or that whatever district they're in have been doing. And they order the politicians to do whatever it takes to not be doing it in a corrupt way anymore. So now that auditor has everyone associating libertarianism with being a good steward of the money that they're being robbed of and of holding politicians' feet to the flames. That's what getting an auditor elected looks like. So one day, yes, we are going to go into the White House and we're going to do all sorts of executive orders undoing all the garbage that was done before us. But long before any of that happens, people will already know what libertarian governance looks like in their borough or township or city, in their county, in their state legislative district, in their state. They'll see what it looks like and they will happily and eagerly put us in a federal level because we've shown them the value that earned them the vote and earned, earned us their vote in the first place. But thank you so much. Go ahead. Hey. Hey, Spike. My name is Josh. Josh. Um, by the way, a big fan of yours. Hoping to see you in 2024. We have Bernards. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you're for open borders, right? I'm, I, as long as the government claims to have the authority over who can or cannot come or leave or enter, I believe that the government should be allowing us to make those decisions for ourselves. 
Okay, so you I, I'm in favor of private borders. I'm in favor of eliminating government ownership and privatizing everything. So, but while the government, in the same way that while the government presumes to have the authority to tell us whether or not that we should have guns, which they should not have that authority, but while they claim to have it, I believe that they should let us have whatever the hell we want. And frankly, I think we should be able to have whatever the hell we want and be deciding what they can have. That's common sense gun control. And so in that same... And so in that same token, I believe that the government should not be limiting our, uh, our right to host, hire, or house whomever we wish on our private properties or to travel the properties where we are welcome. Okay, so you're in general in favor of more people being able to come into the country? Into and out of as, as they wish, yes. Sure. Uh, do you not worry that that would cause an increased wage stagnation as the amount of workers entering the country increases the supply of the labor force? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. It would, in, counterintuitively, that actually isn't typically what happens. Anytime that we have seen a uh, large growth in uh, immigration, we've also seen, and I wouldn't say it's a correlation that, that it's people immigrating into the country that causes wages to go up. It's more that when wages go up, that means that the economy is doing well, which typically leads to more immigrants coming here. So no, I have not, we've not seen any direct correlation where you know, this large surge of immigrants comes and it causes all the wages to go down. It, it typically, we don't see that. Um, so that, that isn't, um, if, if I saw that every time there was some, you know, uh, a large number, because that's also not really how it happens. We tend to think of this like there was this uh, big wave of immigrants that came in over a two or three year period of time, and it, it's not. It's sort of kind of like a steady flow of people that are coming here. So we haven't really seen that happen, so that, that hasn't been a concern of mine. An another uh, question that comes up a lot, and I know you didn't ask this, but another one that'll come up a lot is, what about the welfare state, right? A lot of people that are coming here are poor, and you know, does that mean that the welfare state's gonna go up? Well. Putting aside the fact that an uh, immigrant is actually 40% less likely than a native-born American to end up being on a, an assistance or entitlement program, let's just take a step back and, and think about what we're saying. That in order to reduce the welfare state, that means that we should give government a power to stop or limit something that otherwise is a peaceful human action that doesn't affect anyone else. What else would we apply that to? Would we say that, for example, um, we shouldn't let people own guns if they're poor? Because, uh, or because uh, if they had guns, then and if they got shot, then we'd end up having to pay for their health care. Or even more so, would we say that drugs should continue? I heard someone say drugs. That drugs, the war on drugs, should continue because if you're on drugs, you're more likely to not be able to hold down a good job. Or would we say, for example, that uh, you know the biggest contributor, even during COVID. The biggest contributor to healthcare costs in this country continues to be weight and age. Do you want government getting involved in deciding what your weight should be or what you should or should not be allowed to do? Just to cut welfare costs, just until we eliminate the welfare state. If you don't look at anything else and say, yes, I would like government to limit that just to reduce the welfare state because A, we know that they have no right to do that and B, we know it won't do a thing to stop it then why would we give them the power to limit immigration to reduce the welfare state, especially since we know, A, they don't have any business doing it, and B, they've done a garbage job of it. They've spent billions of dollars on border security, and we still have millions of people that are here illegally, so that didn't work. And they also use the uh, pretense of border security to presume the authority. Right now, we live in an area that is called a, we're within what's called the 100-mile zone. 
And basically what that means is a federal agent or anyone they deputize has the legal authority under the United States government to stop you, detain you, and search you without a warrant or without any stated reason as long as within 30 days they tell the judge that it was for border control reasons. And you don't have to be an immigrant. They don't have to verify that. It doesn't matter if you are. All they have to do is go to the judge and say, no, 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 it was border security. Oh, okay, well, if it's border security, then, uh, then we can allow that. That is a power that government gave itself to limit immigration. And we've seen how the Patriot Act that was supposed to be used against Al-Qaeda terrorists is now being used against school parents, right? We see what happens when government is given a power. If you give government a gun, they eventually point it at you and everyone you care about. And that's true of any power you give them, and I don't want to give them any more power. So I appreciate your question, man. Thank you. We got one over here. Sure. Oh, there. Hi. Hi. Hello, um, I'm Sean. Uh, Hi, Sean. Do you think you were taken less seriously, uh, or not serious enough, being a running mate for Roman Supreme? Um, I think what's interesting is that almost, uh, so 95% of the people out there don't even know it. But I, I will say this. The interesting thing about Vermin Supreme is that if you watched the debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, I've never seen Vermin Supreme do anything intentionally as stupid or buffoonish as those two did unintentionally, <laughs> thinking that they were being perfectly serious the whole time. No, Sean, I appreciate that question, but Vermin Supreme is so over the top as a performer that it's obvious what he's doing is a satirical performance. Um, the little bit of fun stuff that I did with him for a few months was equally satirical and could easily be separated from, from seriousness. Uh, we also live in the meme age. Uh, the stuff that I regularly do on social media, if someone from 10 years ago, much less 20 or 30 years ago, saw the kind of memes I was putting out, the kind of posts I was putting out, the kind of interactions I was having with, the, with you know, my followers, they'd say, there's no way that this person could ever be taken seriously. That's how people communicate now. Um, Vermin Supreme was kind of at the beginning of political memedom, um, and uh, I, I, many times when I was asked about Vermin Supreme during the campaign, I would say Vermin Supreme is demonstrating that this system that you, the media, the person interviewing me, that you and government have created that he sounds better. If everyone already knows that this is a sick, cynical joke, they might as well have one that has a funny punchline where they're not the punchline, where they're not the ones being treated as the joke. They'd rather treat you as the joke. And that's why Joe and I are running to make this not be a sick and cynical joke anymore. And then what ended up happening was that reporter ended up regretting asking me that question uh, because I shown the, uh, the mirror back on them. But I, I do appreciate that, man. Thank you. Thank you. Introduce yourself. Hey. Hi, Spike. My name is Daniel. Daniel? Founder of Atlanta, and uh, I got two-part question. Sure. First, I'd like to know your opinion on blockchain and decentralized networks. Yeah. And also, uh, I have three pet dogs at home, so I was wondering what you think could be done to protect my dogs against the ATF. Abolishing the ATF. Um, so I'm going to do the the second part first um, with the dogs. Obviously, it is more important about the killing of people that are, that's happening from federal and, and police agencies where people are being killed and in a total violation, it was not in self-defense, it was, and the only thing that is keeping them out of uh, being as held as accountable as the rest of us are things like public employee unions and the, the, this, this culture that's created within them, the so-called thin blue line of police lawlessness. Th these, this is the most important thing is people's lives, but 
the sheer number of pets that are killed by federal, state, and local agencies every year is in the tens of thousands. It is absurdly high. It is, it is close to, and, and it's not even accurate. Most agencies aren't required to even report it, so it's probably over 100,000 that are being killed every year. And I just happened a couple nights ago, uh, against my will, it was as I was scrolling that it, it, it came up on autoplay that I watched uh, a police officer with a shotgun just blast uh, someone's pet dogs because they walked near him and, uh, and it, 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 there was, they were showing no threat, they were wa wagging their tails. This guy was either scared of dogs or just, you know, wanted to show he was a tough guy or whatever and just murdered them in front of the family uh, and then arrested them even though uh, it turned out they didn't do anything wrong. Um, the short answer is we have to hold bad actors in government accountable. If an agency shouldn't exist by dint of the Constitution or by our natural rights, it should be eliminated. And for the rest of them, their job should only be related to protecting lives, lives rights, and property. Anything else that they're doing, they should be held just as accountable uh, as the rest of us would be if we did the same thing. Blockchain, on a better, on a better uh, uh, front there. In order to effectively stop the growth of the state and government into every aspect of our lives. Yes, we might be able to have short-term victories against it. We might be able to roll something back or stop something from growing or, or, or even slow down the growth of something. But long-term, as long as the average person sees government as at worst a necessary evil and at best an absolutely you know, critical part of their lives that they simply couldn't do anything without government. And yes, it does these abusive things, and yes, it does this, and yes, it does that, and those are bad, and we need to address that. But darn it, we need government. We need to have, and not just government, no, well, yeah, roads, everything, protection, the whole thing. We need to have, not just government, but a big one that's involved in our lives. Um, as long as that continues to exist, then it's always going to be an uphill battle. Enter the blockchain. The blockchain with Bitcoin back in 2009, Bitcoin started as something I remember <laughs> when I was browsing the internet and this spammy looking pop-up window came up and it had something called a faucet. And for those who are into Bitcoin, you're probably chuckling to yourself right now. So it used to be there were these websites where you could just press a button and it would give you five Bitcoin at a time. And it would give you a wallet and a number, and you'd look at this and go, what the hell is this? I don't want the, the like, fake looking coins. It was like a flash video, and it, it would give you this row of number. What the hell am I supposed to do? I don't know how many Bitcoin I was given uh, by those things, and I'd roll my eyes and go, oh, I knew that was a scam. And uh, I'd be a, a multimillionaire now. Inside of 10 years, Bitcoin is now easily the most valuable currency on earth, and it continues to gain in value, and now you have major financial institutions adopting it. But that's just one thing. That's just money. Blockchain has answers for almost every aspect of our civil society. We're seeing right now with NFTs, it's the same thing, right? Oh, oh you bought a JPEG? Oh, you sound like a real loser. I can't believe you spent $30,000 on something that I can copy and paste. The NFT is a system that is a registry for everything both online 
and in person. The JPEGs are just a proof of concept. One day, you will be able to register everything you own, large or small, of any value for fractions of a penny for anyone to see without ever having to get the government involved. Imagine being able to sell a house and hand over the NFT code for that house and anything in it and separate NFT codes for anything in it or just one big NFT code for all of those things and you didn't have to pay a registration fee with the county or the state because it wasn't necessary. That's what NFT does. We're beginning to see the beginnings because what's another big thing people say? Yeah, but without government, how would we dispute our differences? Well, enter the blockchain. Blockchain is creating blockchain-based dispute resolution systems that use peerless and trustless systems to be able to come up with better outcomes, and this is being tested by third-party groups, better outcomes than you would get in court without having to pay court fees, without having to leave your house. And you're only bound to it to the extent that you can't participate in that blockchain anymore if you, uh, if you, unless you uh, abide by whatever uh, ruling that they did. Blockchain is coming up with answers for everything. Real, free market, decentralized answers. It's not, a, and, and ridiculously cheap. I didn't hear what you said. I agree though, I agree. Yes it is. But so, the, uh, when it comes to blockchain, it is providing all of the answers, and, and DeFi in general, because I know there are different models that are out there, but decentralized networks are the future. And it is going to become, a, there is going to be a day, one day, where the only thing that has anyone think that there's any need for an actual state-level government, you know, an actual state, is the fact that they'll kill you if you don't participate. And the moment that becomes their only reason for existing, not that they help you in any way, but that they'll kill you if you don't participate, that immediately gets rid of any legitimacy it may have claimed to have. So I, I'm very much, I believe largely what we are doing right now is harm reduction as decentralized networks continue to grow and mature to a point where uh, more and more people are going to realize the folly of their ways in, in believing in the, what we call the cult of the omnipotent state. So thank you for your question, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hi. Hey, uh, I'm Dylan, I'm okay. 19, and like, so I was a Republican uh, last year when okay. we decided to vote, and that was pretty much just because of my family. And, um, you know, my, like, most of the kids my age, and like friends older and younger, um, do public schools, family, whatever, yeah. they're gonna vote for either the Democrats or the Republicans, and like, I don't, I don't know how to spread the word or how to get people interested, and just how do people bring, how to bring people into the Libertarian Party, especially like kids my age, you know, how do I get them interested, how do I get them off the idea that, what your parents thought you might not be best for you, you know? Memes. So the, and I'm, I'm not joking. So I, there are two different interesting, largely two people fall, people fall into two different groups. Um, there are the people that are somewhat set in their ways and they have to be disabused of it through experience. We can be there to meet them where they are when they get there, but you've got people, they've been told you either vote Republican or Democrat. You're gonna throw your vote away for a third party? Of course, I would say that throwing your vote away is voting for the people who created the mess that we're in right now. And every year, two years, four years, six years, whenever their term is up, they go, hey, hey folks, me again. I know I created that giant mess, but I promise if you vote for me next, 
uh, one more time, I'm going to fix all those problems I created. I promise. And if you don't vote for me, you're going to get this guy over there that I work with every day to make messes. Um, some people need to be disabused of that. People your age aren't really married to that. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's like slowly over time, people just resign themselves to the two-party system. But at your age, a lot of them, really the only obstacle we have there is they haven't heard of us. That's really the only obstacle. They don't have all this garbage in their head about how you either got to vote blue or red or any of that. Most of them. I mean, some do. But for the most part, whatever they're hearing sounds stupid, and they don't have decades of just being told it and conditioned it over and over again. So that's how we reach them. And that's why I'm on TikTok now. So I can go on there and say, hi, fellow kids. I, too, am young. I'm technically a millennial. I'm just a very, very old millennial. But no, I, 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 engagement on social media and engagement in person is the best way to reach everyone, but especially the people who already look at this system and they're like, this looks stupid. And it's actually younger the people that, younger people that are the most likely to actually recognize that right off the bat. So memes and tell them to follow me on TikTok. Those are the, those are the big ones. But thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hey. Hi, Spike. My name is Ira Hopkins. Uh, Ira, yes. I currently serve four years in the United States Air Force. I was yeah, thank you. Uh, I was deployed to Saudi Arabia for eight months in a country we didn't need to be in to protect their oil supply. Yep. Uh, what is the plan for the Libertarian Party to pull uh, U.S. troops out of those foreign nations while also keeping relations healthy and trade? I, thank you, Ira, and I, I appreciate your question. So. It's interesting that we have been told that in order to maintain good diplomatic and trade relations, that we have to continue this empire. Why that's funny is because they'll say that, and then you watch all the news about how our empire is getting in the way of diplomatic and trade relations. Now, specifically with Saudi Arabia, they don't want us to leave because they're evil and they want to maintain the mini empire they've built within the Gulf region there, which is why right now the U.S. government is financing uh, a genocide that is being carried out by the Saudi Arabian government and Al-Qaeda in a country nearby called Yemen, where nearly a million people have already died, including hundreds of thousands of children. And the interesting thing about this your taxpayer money funded genocide that's happening there is they're actually not targeting the military targets. They're attacking farms and bridges and uh, dairies and grocery stores and hospitals and the suppliers for all of those things. They're actually Al-Qaeda, your money is going to Al-Qaeda, which last time I checked that would be called treason, but it's going to Al-Qaeda and the Saudi government to destroy a civil society because it gets in the way of Saudi dominance of the region. There's a lot of Shiite Muslims there, and they're worried that that would lead to Iran having a, a, you know, a beachhead or, or some kind of a, of a front or control there. And this is just one example of the endless game of empire and the murder it causes for no benefit to you whatsoever. There are people around the world who viscerally hate you and they have a good reason, not to hate you, but to hate the government that robs you. I can tell you right now, 
one of the greatest things we could have in our diplomatic relationships and in our trade relationships and just our relationships in general around the world is for people not to see America as what it is right now, unfortunately. A country whose government is committing genocides and destabilizations of governments and destruction and invasions and bombings and drone bombings of children, all sorts of terrible things around the world. That does not make us safe. I remember when 9-11 happened and I was 19. It was why I became a neocon because I knew that someone had to be stopped. And I remember listening to the government and the corporate media tell me that the reason that Al-Qaeda attacked us was because we were just so darn free. And we, it was because of our, our Western, secular, Judeo-Christian, whatever that even means, our, our values, whatever those were. And they would use examples like, you know, Western women wearing tight jeans. And I thought, well, what a terrible thing. I love tight jeans. Why would they, they, maybe they just haven't seen it right. Maybe they should just look more. And what I realized, like if you look long enough, you start to like it. Um, but then I realized something after I was no longer, as I was starting to listen to people like Matt Kibbe and, and Ron Paul, who I had been so annoyed by for so long, and I actually read what Bin Laden wrote, and I read what, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Ayman al-Zawahiri and all, all these different people in Al-Qaeda, what they wrote. They didn't write anything about genes. They, didn't, they, they, they would mention our decadent culture, but it was, a, it was a footnote. It was because of the endless empires. It was because of Operation Ajax, where the Eisenhower administration bombed a country and invaded it to ins reinstall a brutal dictator that they had finally gotten rid of and had an election and replaced them with someone else because we were afraid that that government might, might cut off our supply to oil. It's because of things like this that make people join groups that they would have never otherwise even thought of joining in the vain hope that they might get to kill one of us. The visceral hatred that comes from murder and genocide and endless empire. When we end that, we will have better relations. We will have more trade. We will not be wasting trillions of dollars and more importantly, we won't be using you as cannon fodder. And I'm sick of that. I am so proud of you that you, you, Ira, you and millions of other people in this country are among some of the best of us. And you signed up to protect and defend the Constitution and the American people against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I am sick of our domestic enemies using you as cannon fodder. So. I appreciate and thank Robert, you, thank you. Cor right back here. here we go. Hi. Hey, Spike. I got two quick questions. Sure, sure, sure. What's your name? Ryan. Ryan? Yes, sir. Okay. If you run for president, are you worried about the deep state digging up and releasing your mixtape? <laughs> and Actually, yes. If you run for president and Dave Smith also runs for president, how do you foresee your campaigns working together to spread liberty in our lifetime? Yeah, so... Uh, okay, thanks. Okay. So, um... For, and, and Ryan, thank you for that. I, I've not made any decisions for 2024. It's honestly something that I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about. My main goal right now is getting 1,000 uh, libertarians elected by, uh, I actually started this goal at the beginning of this year to get 1,000 libertarians elected by the end of next year, and we're already almost 200 on the way to that during an off year. So I'm feeling good about our odds. And honestly, 
I haven't ruled out running for president, but I will tell you that my desire to be the next person to get up there and run around the country and get one, two, three, four percent, whatever, uh, that's not a priority of mine. It's, this isn't about me, it's about you. It's about everyone here. This is about growing the movement. This is about getting a world set free in our time. And if, if, if my running uh, for the nomination or, or, or running for president or whatever is the best way I can be used to that end, then so be it. But there may be other and better ways to do it. And if that's the case, then I'll be doing whatever that is. Um, and in fact, to that end, so to answer, so to answer your question, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of Dave. I love Dave. Uh, he's a friend of mine. We actually talk all the time. We're actually working on a friendly debate. More on that to come. We're going to be talking about something uh, probably in the next two or three weeks. We're going to be going live. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, I like what Dave's doing, and I'm, and I'm, I'm glad that he's doing it. Um, my mixtape, I actually am afraid that my mixtape will be unearthed. Um, so if anyone can just remember what rap music was like in the 90s and early 2000s, and because they're, 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 at one point the party said, hey, why don't we do a thing where we can like do a fundraiser where if we can raise you know, $25,000, you'll release your mixtape. And I said, yeah, then the headlines will be former VP candidate releases mixtape with the N-word in it 7,000 times <laughs> and the B-word for women in it 10,000 times and references to violence against women and selling drugs and killing people and, you know, all the good stuff that's in rap music from, from then. And, then. and my only response is, I didn't say it, they did. It's rap music. So, no, uh, I, really, I really hope that doesn't happen. Um, but to that end, uh, I do want to talk about what my goal is right now, uh, what I'm working on right now. And it's something that I've been working on for a few months that I'm going to be releasing towards the end of this year. And it's called You Are the Power. And what You Are the Power is, is it is going to fill all of the gaps that we are never going to be able to fill with the Libertarian Party. And not because there's anything wrong with the Libertarian Party, but because it's not the right structure for filling those gaps. The Libertarian Party is a series of local and state and federal committees that are set up to comply with election law, federal and state election law. That's what it's designed for. And that's good. That's how we run candidates. That's how we get people on the ballot. We need that. We have been trying to turn it into the leader of the liberty movement for years now. And it's not going to happen because of its very structure. It is people that are trying to primarily work on making sure that we can stay on the ballot. What you are the power is going to be is a way for you to become a member of something and be the activist in your community. When you say who is going to be the person to set my community free, the answer is you. And we will give you all of the tools and resources that you need to do that. We will line you up. We'll be able to give you a network that you can network with other people who want to help you either locally or based on that, on whatever it is that you're fighting for in your area that can help you with that. We'll give you all of the A to Z tools on how to do that. We will uh, be creating, we're creating networks of other groups groups that are working on similar things that you can tap to be able to work on different types of goals. And it's basically going to be a one-stop shop for anyone who wants to work to set people free. That's what You Are the Power is going to be. Stay tuned. We're going to be uh, releasing that probably within the next month. And, um, but I, 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 I hope I answered your question. My, my, that's not a primary concern of mine right now, uh, but I, I do hope my mixtape isn't found. So thank you. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, Spike. My name is Anna. Anna, hi. Um, I am not a member of Wake LP, okay. and I have felt largely disenfranchised by the political system in general, yes. jaded, uh, just completely withdrawn. Yep. 
um, what is it? <laughs> what, and I and I found myself in libertarian circles just for the the discourse because I enjoy the 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 conversation. But and the memes. Uh, sure, <laughs> no doubt. Um, but what is it that fuels your optimism? What? Why get involved? And then the flip side is, um, how do you protect the altruism? How do you protect, um, you know, that you want people that are that are infiltrating the government to remain altruistic in their intentions and yeah. not become corrupt or and not even attract the corrupt mm-hmm. um, attitudes that come with the power. Yes, Anna. So you just described why I only got involved in politics two years ago. Because I looked at the system and I went, okay, great. There are people that want to set the world free, but A, how are they ever going to be able to do it given all the odds and obstacles in front of us? And B, what the hell is going to stop them from just becoming what they replaced, right? You get in there and then you get that. Now, there's obviously no guarantee that's not going to happen, but here's what I will tell you. My optimism comes from the fact that when I look at every single revolution that's ever happened, ever, in the history of mankind, it started with groups of people that could have fit at this table, or maybe at these couple of tables here. It started with a handful of people who did not care what the odds are, and they kept fighting until they won. And when I see the excitement and the the desire in libertarians across the country, and when I say across the country, I've been as far south as Miami and as far north as Wasilla, Alaska, and across the world. I've, I've, I've met a lot of libertarians in the last two years, and from all over. I see people that are not going to give up. Interesting thing about that, every revolution happens after a major technological development that increases the access to people of information. So we saw a bunch of revolutions that happened after the advent of the printing press, and then a bunch of revolutions that happened during the advent of newspaper, a bunch of revolutions that happened after the advent of photography, a bunch of more revolutions that happened after the advent of uh, uh, um, uh, motion picture, and motion picture news, and then later radio news, and then later TV news, and then later cable news, and then later the internet, and now with social media. As, and we're now seeing this where as social media just continues to become greater and greater and greater, and the ability of people to simply pull out some device from their pocket or even on their wrist and find out anything they want is leading to revolutions across the planet. I think that we right now are able to share the truth in a way that we've never been able to before, and we're also the silver lining of all the nightmares that we're going through right now is more people than ever are looking at government as a bad thing, or at least government in its current... uh, incarnation as a bad thing that is not helping them. And we are the only ones that have the right answer to that. Now, second part of that. Great. We take over, and then we end up just like them. Now what? That's why it is crucial to me, much more crucial than running for office, or even more crucial than getting libertarians elected to change the culture. And that's what we're going to be doing with You Are the Power. It's going to be largely cultural changes. Because if we can trick or talk people into electing us, but they still have the same ideas, then either we're going to do the same thing everyone else is doing, which seems to be what they want, or we get replaced by someone who's better at pandering to them and lying to them and grandstanding on their suffering that they created. That's why we have to change the culture. We have to get people who right now see this government as a necessary evil that just needs to have some changes made. We want them to look at government and see what we see a bunch of criminals, 
a bunch of sociopaths and liars and fools and cronies who impose themselves on us and come up with these solutions that all of us have to abide by, but they exempt themselves to, and they rob us to pay for and rob future generations to pay for. And if anyone has a problem with it, they're allowed to say it, but that's about it. If they want to actually try to opt out, they're going to have whatever level of violence needs to be used against them, used against them. We want people to see the same game that we see. And that happens when we meet them where they are. So the long term, I don't know what's going to happen. And I would be I would be the worst liar you'll ever meet to say, I am sure that libertarians are completely different from all other human beings and that we're entirely uncorruptible. We see corruption in our own party occasionally. So to say that they're simply, that that's not true, we'd have to be lying about that right now. It has to be a cultural change. Politics is downstream of culture. Culture is downstream of our individual actions. And so I can only control who I am and I can only control what I'm trying to do culturally for other people. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I know that the alternative to fighting is just giving up, and so that's why I'm here. I, ho I, I, not, I can't give you a pie in this. Pie in the sky utopian answers are for people who let the government lead them around by their nose. I don't have any of those, and, and, but we will continue to fight. Thank you. Hi. Hi. I, I have a question. Hi, I'm sorry. Well, I'm just, Fred, five Fred, till. Fred, she's in charge. Fred, you don't understand. She's in charge. <laughs> yeah, no, we we've got however many minutes she says. Okay. Um, but sorry, go ahead. Okay, so um, my quick question is: is yes. that there's a lovely family who have a small baby that have to leave. Can you quickly just let them come in? As you're answering another question, that's fine, but take a photo and Yeah, yeah, come yeah. on up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if there's someone that has to leave, yeah. be sure. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then you're going to wrap up soon so that everyone else can get yes, photos. Yes, absolutely. So while I am uh, uh, hugging, uh, hugging uh, what is it, shaking hands and kissing babies, I'm not going to kiss your baby, but I'll, I'll, while I'm doing that, do we have one more question? Okay, yeah. One more question? Okay, we'll do one more question. Hey, Spike. Hey. My name is uh, Noah. I'm sorry, what's your name? Noah. Bella? Yep. Hi. Uh, I'm a senior in college, and me and a lot of my friends who are a lot more liberty-minded are uh, very concerned about how we're going to navigate the future as far as vaccine mandates and a crumbling economy goes. What advice do you have for people my age about how to move forward in the future? Sure. Absolutely. Hold on one second. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys so much. Uh, so Noah, to answer your question, honestly what I have to say to people your age is the same thing that I'm saying to everyone when it comes to these mandates right now. I can't make the decision for you whether to comply or not. And when I say comply, I don't mean get the vaccine or not. That's, I also can't make that decision for you. But there are people I know that have gotten the vaccine, but they're still not complying with the mandate. They're still refusing to show, uh, they're refusing to sign up for uh, a, uh, you know, a, a vaccine passport. They're refusing to show proof of, of vaccination to be able to go in places. They've gotten the vaccine for own personal health reasons. They wanted to get it, but they're refusing to comply with the mandates. Um, and I can't tell you whether or not you need to comply. It would be very easy for me, you know, being retired and being able to, you know, not have to worry about working or making money to tell you, yes, you should totally, you know, give up everything, give up your school, give up your, your education, give up your, your career uh, or someone else who's working, give up your job, uh, you know, for your principles. Um, what I will tell you is this, 
That's a decision you have to make, not just on that, but on everything, on what other, because there are many other things that all of us, or most of us anyway, are complying with that are every bit as much an infringement on our rights. We've just gotten used to it, and we know what will happen if we don't. So I can't make that choice for you. What I can tell you is this. Today's compliance for a hope of reprieve or convenience will be tomorrow's sediment of things that people just comply with because that's the way it is. And you can think of, I mean, when the National Firearms Act was passed, that was seen as a complete act, and it was, an act of war against uh, gun owners and a, and a total violation, which it was, of the Second Amendment. And yet, even some of the you know, biggest gun uh, aficionados out there make sure they're complying with the NFA most of the time. Uh, they make sure they're complying for the most part because they don't want to get in trouble. But that at one point was, well, maybe if we comply with this during the gangland violence of the 20s and 30s, maybe they'll repeal it later. Now it's sediment. Um, the flip side to that is there is no such thing as government power. That doesn't exist. You're talk you, we, we, we talk a lot about the power of the government. The government has power. The government doesn't actually have power. You have the power. When I say you are the power, that's a big part of what I mean. And here's what I mean by that. Government makes up less than, government and its enforcers make up less than 1% of the population. It's different from state to state and country to country, but it's roughly 1%. And in this country, it's less than 1%. If even 2 or 3 or 4 or 5% of the population simply refuses to comply, it becomes functionally impossible for them to make all of the non-compliant people comply. They can't do it. That, by the way, that's why they rely on snitches. That's why they rely on snitches. That's why they rely on, um, on, on employers to enforce it. That's why they rely on anyone that they can drag in to become part of their, their petty tyrant system. They're acknowledging that you're the power. They're acknowledging that they can't do it without you. And if enough of us simply refuse to comply, it becomes effectively impossible for them to enforce. And the next thing that happens is all the other people look at us and go, well, if they don't have to do it, why do I have to do it? And that's when things go away. And government typically, not always, but typically when faced with that, government will cede that ground and say, well, we've decided that's not necessary anymore. And the reason they do that um, is because the alternative would be showing that they don't have power. The alternative would be saying, no, you have to do it and it not happening, and everyone realizing they don't have the power that they have. In fact, that's usually how governments end up being toppled, is when they have their bluff called and everything falls apart. So what I would tell you is, that's a personal choice for you to make. And I will also tell you that, to whatever extent that you are able not to comply, that is one more person that is moving towards it becoming effectively impossible for them to be able to tell us what to do and to hurt us in the process. I, I, it's, it, again, I don't do utopian answers because if this had an easy package answer to give, we'd have already fixed it. Uh, the, the true answer is mass noncompliance, and that's a, that's a personal choice for each one to make. I can tell you there's a large and growing list of things I'm not complying with, but I'm also in a position where I can do so. You said that. I didn't say that. Uh, but uh, I'm also in a position to be able to do that. So. Uh, folks, I just want to thank you before we, we're going to wrap up now. 
I just want to thank you all again for being here, and we're going to be wrapping up the show. We're not wrapping up the event because we still have some time. I'll be happy to take pictures, sign all these uh, uh, flags and shirts and swag bags and everything else. Uh, be happy to hang out with you for a bit. Um, but thank you guys again, and thank you for yeah. tuning in to this live episode of My Fellow Americans. Hi we have a few gifts for you. Can oh, we yeah. do this live? Sure. Awesome. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, all right. So <laughs> we're going to give you a shirt, okay. first of all. Yes. This can is the can you put this on? Is legalized lemonade stands? I, can I? Live? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, at least just over, to over top that it would be cool. Sure. Hold on. Because we're going to try this. You know, you've heard about the whole lemonade stand thing where you have to be FDA approved if you make over a certain amount of money yeah. in your lemonade stand or the feds will come shut down the kids lemonade stand so it's just an example of government overreach oh here we go cameras out take pictures this is good over the, over the suit top if you guys want one of these shirts, too, they can be signed for $20. Nice. That is, that is awesome. Yes. I gave one to Tasha as well. Okay, good. She has Did one. you make her put it on? No. Uh, no. No, no, of course not. Okay, so she's... Go ahead. Thank you. Okay. Um, also, there's more. Okay. Most people in the room have signed this. Don't tread on me. Yes. The Gaysden flag, yes. Thank you. So maybe you can use this behind your podcast sometime? Yes. Here, you can wear this it. This is for you. you. Behind me. As yes. So folks. Signed by Wake LP members and other folks. Thank you. It's for you. Thank you very much. This is the special one. Oh, no. This was donated by one of our long-term members. He was actually once chair of the state. And it's a penguin flag. What is Brian, the, Brian, can you come up and talk about this flag for a second? What is the, Please, the penguin? Please come talk about it for a second. Oh, LP was a Liberty Penguin? Okay. This, this is this is our history. Uh, back in the day, there was a lady named Ann Kaysen Okay. Who developed the Liberty Penguin? Okay. Because Liberty is cool. Well, thank you. And uh, several states adopted it as a mascot. Oh, because Liberty is cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And he's well dressed. Yes, I see that. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Not a secret. Thank you. Mike. If you haven't signed these, there's still an opportunity to sign them. And also some gift cards for oh, you. Wow. So money? You guys gave me money? Yes. Wow. It's part of the deal. Folks, you have to donate at least $100 more to offset the money. I didn't, well, thank you. Thank you very much. For thank you for coming. So yes. I'll let you end it. These are for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Wake County LP, give yourselves one final round of applause. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you for everything, and thank you for tuning in to this fantastic episode of My Fellow Americans. Tune in tomorrow uh, for uh, Matt Wright on the Writer's Block, 
uh, Friday night, tune in to uh, Cajun and Eskimo from Bayous to Igloos. These are all real shows. Uh, then on Monday, tune in to Mr. America, The Bearded Truth. Then tune in on Tuesday to The Money Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events like the chipper little middle-aged men that we are, and then tune in next Wednesday, right here, same muddied place, same spike time, for the next episode of My Fellow Americans, where my guest will be High res the rapper. Folks, thanks again so much for tuning in. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. God bless, guys. Thank you. <laughs>